Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Marcelino Millares, Jr., who is Director of Mercury in Español. Today we will discuss Hispanic in-language advertising in the United States. Marcelino has expanded Mercury en Español, which is one of the first full-service Hispanic direct response specialty practices in the United States. In his role as a strategic planner and media director, he has developed marketed communications programs for Body by Jake, Citibank, MCI, Signature Group, Montgomery Ward, PepsiCo, Ameritech, Philip Morris, Far More, and American Stores, among others. Marcelino began his career as media director and account planner for Unimar in Chicago. He built extensive retail marketing and telecommunications experience as a strategic planner. In 1991, he moved to Los Angeles and co-founded Tamayo Millares Advertising, a marketing communications firm specializing in campaign integration for United States Hispanic markets. Marcelino, welcome. Thank you. Look forward to it. Let's just start at the very beginning and talk a little bit about what you mean or what we mean in the industry by in language. When you talk about his, reaching Hispanics in language or within language advertising, would you tell us a little bit about what you're referring to specifically? Um, well, we're referring uh, specifically and literally to advertising in the Spanish language. And it may sound obvious, but um, there is a, a, a trend, a current um, in our business for the last couple of decades of also um, referring to in-culture advertising, which is not necessarily uh, in Spanish. Um, that is advertising to Hispanics in general market media. But when we refer to in-language advertising, we're referring to advertising in the Spanish language um, and specifically addressing relevant cultural cues to the Hispanic market in the Spanish language. That means that you are segmenting the market, as uh, some people describe it, and choosing from within the larger market that is English-dominant or bilingual or Spanish-dominant, the specific segment that in this case is either Spanish-dominant or bilingual. Is that right? Uh, that's correct, or Spanish-preferring. Um, or, in fact, I think the definition, um, at least from our perspective from uh, a direct response perspective, the definition is expanding um, as programming choices become more and more available in the Spanish language. We're drawing in more and more uh, Hispanics who may be less comfortable in Spanish but yet are entertained by some of the programming choices that are out there. So I think I agree. It's 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 bilingual. It's Spanish dominant Hispanics, Spanish preferring Hispanics, bilingual Hispanics. Essentially, anyone who can be reached in the Spanish language, really regardless of where they would fall at any kind of a segmentation uh, model. And when you talk about advertising in this instance, what specific media are you? keeping in mind? Is this broadcast? Is this online? Is this point of sale? What media are you referring to in this in-language advertising in these efforts? Well, we're, we're referring to, to pretty much any channel that makes content available in Spanish 
the majority of what we do is is television, uh, both broadcast and cable. Um, but clearly, radio, um, print, online, and now mobile, um, outdoor. Clearly, all of these media uh, channels have a place. Um, so essentially, wh wherever there is content in Spanish, wherever it can be made available, even alternative media like wild postings and uh, and pizza boxes and uh, etc. are all valid in language uh, media. Um, so we 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 identify what is the right media mix for uh, a client and for a client and decide to reach their customers and decide um, that Spanish is the way to do that. Um, then the rest uh, the rest follows. So we're, we're while we focus on television, I think that um, most of us in in the industry, particularly in the direct response industry, are a little bit more media agnostic, if you will. It's all about, at the end of the day, it's all about um, lead generation and ultimately to conversion. And television, um, by definition, for the last 20 years and probably for the next at least 10 to come, is is going to be the, the strongest or highest volume uh, lead generator um, in the market. And we uh, typically start uh, probably around the 90% range um, uh, in terms of the media that we that we select. It allows us to to cast a very wide net uh, in terms of the number of consumers that we can reach, the number of Spanish-speaking consumers that we can reach, and then on the back end, it allows us uh, because we have much more data. It allows us to really develop metrics for the market that uh, we can then apply to other media. Um, and that, that other media, sort of uh, step two media, would be, uh, from our perspective in VR, would be online and mobile, which are, are natural direct marketing uh, vehicles. Um, and then we move into radio and direct mail and, uh, and other things. But uh, television really is uh, sort of the cornerstone um, uh, recommendation from our perspective uh, in terms of in terms of lead gen and and really setting up a business plan for uh, for a client in Spanish. You emphasize the direct response aspect of these advertising efforts. Would you tell us a little bit about what you mean specifically when you talk about direct response advertising? Yes, and I. Um, uh, I come from um, I come from a, a world of traditional advertising. I, when I grew up in this business in the traditional advertising side of the world, and then in, in the 90s, when integrated marketing uh, sort of became all of the rage, um, uh, I began I began to practice in that arena, and that's where I first really became aware of direct response advertising that that I define and we define um, at, at Mercury Media as uh, any advertising um, that generates a, a precisely measurable response. Um, and what I mean by precisely measurable, um, I don't mean uh, sales are better or sales are worse. I mean that this media spend generated a return of this. Um, so X uh, plus uh, whatever we invest equals Y. And, and that's how we define direct response TV. It's kind of a, a very narrow um, definition, but um, it really applies to 
um, a lot of aspects of marketing, um, whether you're selling a product on TV um, or whether you have a promotion that results um, in a point of sale button at a cash register. Um, there are so many. Uh, you have retail um, uh, retail um, uh, metrics. There are so many ways that one can apply direct response TV if one focuses on the measurement side of things, and 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 that's where the uh, from a marketing perspective, that's that's really where we think the difference is. And that doesn't mean that that you're not branding. It doesn't mean uh, that you're not building uh, awareness for a product or a service that has some longer term value. Um, but it does mean that you're not buying based on reach, you're buying based on response um, and, and conversion. And that's, that's really the fundamental difference. I probably should have started there, but that's really the fundamental difference is, is you're not buying for reach and frequency, you're buying for response and conversion. What would be an example of a, an in-language or even a regular direct response television effort that our listeners might be familiar with? Is there sort of an iconic example that you might share with us? Well, I think, um, yeah, I mean, there are many, but um, probably there's, I think there's kind of two huge uh, layers today. Uh, one is the, the telecom wars, um, all of the mobile companies, which is really just an extension of, of the telecom wars of the 1990s, but all of the mobile companies today have a, a very interesting direct response challenge um, because there are multiple ways to respond to their advertising. Uh, you can respond uh, by phone, you can respond online, or you can respond retail. Um, but all of those channels uh, are measurable uh, and are measurable to a specific campaign, uh, to a specific phone number um, in many cases. Um, and those uh, and those kinds of um, those kinds of campaigns, they they may look uh, and feel sometimes like brand advertising campaigns, but at the end of the day, they are uh, essentially focused on on creating a response and on generating a customer uh, or on preventing the erosion of of their customer base. So so they are measurable campaigns. Um, in the Hispanic market today, you also have. Uh, the cable and satellite wars, DirecTV and DISH are, are spending millions of dollars um, in customer acquisition, and those are fundamentally direct response campaigns geared at uh, generating a phone call or an, an online, uh, an online uh, activity uh, to get you to buy their service and, and have somebody come and install it. Um, you know, those are some branded uh, examples, but they, they, they're clear indicators of of uh, of how direct response um, has has really permeated even brand type advertisers um, because measurement uh, conversion is king and measurement is the key to that. How can our listeners, when they're watching an ad on television, for example, distinguish a traditional ad from a direct response ad? Is there an element or are there elements that right away tell you this is a traditional television ad or this is a direct response ad? Well, I think that line is blurring uh, more and more um, because really what makes direct response TV direct response is really what happens on the back end. Um, as marketers, it starts with the decision that um, we're going to measure the business performance of a particular campaign as opposed to the media performance. And by that I mean we're not going to be measuring 
the TRPs or the reach and frequency that we generate, but rather we're going to be measuring um, the sales or the impact on lead costs or conversion costs, etc. So from a consumer perspective, that's all invisible. Um, all they know, either uh, consciously or unconsciously, is that they're being motivated to some behavior, whether it's to call or to click or to come in. Um, but to them, um, it might feel like all advertising at some level is becoming more and more direct response oriented um, from your hardcore DR players who are screaming, you know, yama yama and call now to uh, to the more subtle financial services that um, take a softer sell approach. But at the end of the day, they're all focused on creating a very specific response that if it's true DRTV will be measured um, and it will be measured daily and weekly and campaign-wide. Um, you know, not just uh, not just in terms of an overall sort of performance measure. Marcelino, about what percentage, if you know, of advertising today, just regular television advertising, would you say is direct response advertising and what percentage is traditional advertising? That's a question that, um, that's a question that we've all been asking ourselves. Um, and um, I can try to put a little bit in, in, in perspective. Uh, television advertising, Spanish-language television advertising in the United States today is, is around a $2 billion uh, business, um, and it's growing. Um, it's still not commensurate with the, the share of, of the population from a demographic perspective, but it's, it's a substantial number. Of those $2 billion dollars, um, I estimate that around uh, 150 million or so is in the in the hard DR TV uh, creative world. These are products that are being sold directly to consumer on advertising uh, via TV. That would not include um, sort of the Fortune 1000 or branded DR TV players. And that that's sort of the that's sort of the Netherland that that nobody uh, has been able to quantify yet. It's at least a half billion dollar, uh, at least a half billion dollar um, business, I believe, um, because there are many players that may or may not consider themselves DRTV players. Um, but if you look at having an 800 number on the screen or a call to a click CTA type of of mechanism on the screen. Um, you bring in the health uh, segment, financial services, telecom, satellite, cable, um, uh, internet advertisers. There, there are really, it's a substantial portion of what we do. So I guess long story short, as a percentage, um, it's probably around 25 to 30% of the $2 billion being spent on TV today. Just to make sure that I understood, you were just speaking about the in-language advertising targeting Hispanics, or were you yeah. talking about the general market? No, I was talking specifically about um, targeting Hispanics in language. How would that compare? So this 20 to 25 percent, I think you said, of the in-language advertising is d direct response. How would that compare to the general market direct response percentage? Is that similar? It's probably similar, although the numbers are substantially higher um, you know, we're in the tens of billions in, in general market spending overall. Um, and, and the DRTV segment um, in the general market, uh, English language 
direct response television um, benefits from having substantially more channels to advertise on. So um, I, I'm, I'm not an expert in, in that phase, but 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 essentially, based on on what we do here at Mercury Media, um, I would I would say that it's a substantial percentage. It, perhaps not as high as 25 to 30 percent, but it will be uh, at least in the in the 20 to 25 percent range. How do you decide when a customer comes to you, when a client comes to you, do they automatically come and say, Marcelino, I want in-language advertising that is direct response oriented, or do they just come to you as a regular client and you direct them in that segment, if you will, of the advertisement, advertising options? What is the process like, in other words? It it depends. if we're participating in a review, um, a formal agency review, uh, in which there's a request for a proposal, a request for information of some kind, typically in those scenarios, a client knows um, what they are looking for from a marketing perspective, and, and they've identified ahead of time uh, whether they're looking for a campaign um, or whether they're looking for something else. Um, if we are cold calling or if going after a client that may already be on the air with a branding effort, um, then because of what we do uh, as, as a direct response television agency, because of what we do, we focus on DRTV as, as a marketing strategy. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and that, that's sort of the difference. If, if we're being invited to a pitch, we're being told what we're looking for. Um, if we're uh, not invited, um, then we're uh, proposing DRTV as a as as a valid marketing strategy that's come of age, um, and that is not uh, a replacement or a substitute for branding. And, and there's a lot of um, probably discussion on branding versus DRTV, but we're not of the opinion that they're mutually exclusive. Uh, it's really a matter of focus and and measurement more than it is uh, of, of how a brand gets positioned in a particular spot. When is in-language advertising appropriate? Are there circumstances where you say definitely in-language advertising is the way to go and times when you look at a client and you say, you know, this really isn't a fit for your product or service? Um, there are times, not not many, but I think the decision to advertise in language um, is is really not a creative decision. I think it's fundamentally a media decision. Um, a good marketer is going to have a very clear idea of who his customer is um, or her customer is from a demographic point of view, from a psychographic perspective. Um, and if they um, uh, if they are honest with themselves, um, they overlay that information over a particular geographic area. It might be a market, it might be a state, might be the nation. Um, it's very difficult to ignore the Hispanic market um, um, as a demographic segment that fits most products. And then once once you open up that door. Um, then you raise the question, and which is why I say it's really a media decision. You raise the question is how best to reach this segment. And in-language advertising um, is, a, is the most effective way of reaching a, a substantially 
the majority of the Hispanic market. Um, so it, it, it's a media, from my perspective, it's a media-driven uh, decision that that uh, marketers who are, um, are completely honest with themselves about who their product uh, users are um, will, will inevitably come to their own conclusion. You just said a moment ago that in language advertising will reach the majority of the Hispanic market. Now we know, of course, that there are many acculturated Latinos who are English dominant or perhaps even English only, many who have been born and grown up here, specifically, of course, within the Mexican demographic, which is the largest segment of the Hispanic population in the country. What sort of data are you relying on, Marcelino, when when you say that the majority of the market is being reached in language, um, and I'm assuming that you're referring to television, of course. Yes, I'm referring to uh, to television. Um, I mean, there are a lot of different studies, and there's a lot of controversy over where where the majority of of the Hispanic market is 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 viewing. Um, and I, I I think that it's um, it's not a zero sum game. For every Latino who's watching Spanish language television, it does not mean that he or she is not watching English language television. There's a lot of crossover. And I think arguments can be made from both sides that uh, the majority of the market is watching Spanish language television, and you can also say that the majority of the market is watching English language television. And I'm not being facetious, but there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of cross viewing, um, and 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 by some estimates, 50 to 60 percent of the market watches both Spanish and English language television, um, leaving about a quarter of the market on on either end of the spectrum in terms of the only Spanish TV and only English TV. Um, so it's it's I think both statements are true because they don't necessarily cancel each other out. Um, it really depends on, on, on uh, ultimately what your product is and where the creative is going to break through most effectively. And one of the advantages of in-language television um, um, from a competitive perspective is that there is much less competitive clutter uh, in virtually every category that you can imagine that advertises on television. And in some categories, there is no clutter at all or very uh, nascent uh, clutter because the categories are just beginning to activate. Um, so when when you're um, in media planning mode as a marketer, um, you not only have to look to how to best reach uh, a particular target, uh, but you also have to look at what uh, your competition is doing and where where the competitive threats might be coming from and what opportunities and uh, does that create. And in language advertising creates uh, a significant opportunity for a lot of advertisers to reach consumers who they may already be reaching at some level in English. Uh, but in Spanish, they'll be able to reach them um, in language with a lot less competitive activity. Now, that's a really interesting perspective. I've heard from other guests and from research in the past that for many marketers, the U.S. Hispanic market, putting it all together in one bunch right now, and more specifically the Spanish-dominant part of that market, is very similar to the general market in the United States in the 1950s. In other words, they're much more receptive to advertising and they're much more welcoming of advertising messages and more believing of those messages when they receive them. Someone actually said that they were very eager to receive, for example, direct mail pieces in Spanish or that were specific to their culture because 
often they were left out. Do you find that to be the case? Is this, is this what you're alluding to here? Yes, and I, um, um, I've, I've heard that as well. And um, I, I prefer not to think of the 1950s. I hope we're a little more evolved than that. But I do think that I do think that the Hispanic market relies on um, advertising for information in ways that are different um, than the general market. Um, one good example, uh, I can't name the client in particular, but it's a client um, um, in the pharma uh, business, um, pharmaceutical business, um, uh, published this, uh, a study um, in which they found that over 60% of Hispanics get their medical information from broadcast television. Um, and that's just an important figure because it's almost three times as high as getting information from somebody in the medical profession. Um, so we do rely on, uh, we as Hispanic consumers, we do rely on television um, for information um, um, in different ways than the general market. Um, and in a lot of ways, we're much more trusting or believing of advertising messages um, in particular. The more, the more substantial, the more well-known the brand uh, the more likely, uh, the more believable um, um, the message uh, tends to be. Um, and that I'm just uh, theorizing um, based on experience, but that that seems to be uh, that seems to be true. Uh, what you're saying is true. I also find um, that even direct response, which uh, you could argue the direct response business, particularly the the selling of products and, and ingestibles and, and things like that, sort of the hardcore uh, DRTV business. Um, is is one of the fastest growing aspects of Spanish language television, which indicates that even what you might suspect is the least trustworthy of advertising, call now and wait, there's more, and all those kinds of, of hooks. Um, the consumers the consumers are are believing them. So, television uh, in language television has a lot of credibility by definition. And that brings me to a media question. Because, of course, it is very closely linked to the direct response in language advertising question. But there are those, and we've been hearing this for, I don't know, maybe as long as Spanish language television has been around in the U.S., which is the argument that as Latinos become more acculturated in the United States, they will be consuming Spanish language television less and less often. Do you think that there's any truth to that? I think there is a sort of an evolutionary truth to that. Um, the more acculturated you become, um, the more programming options you are open to. Um, however, I will say that from a demographic perspective, the, the U.S. Hispanic population is, is not only growing by birth, but it's growing by immigration. Um, and, and, and the economic downturn of, of the past year and a half may have some effect of, on that um, in the long term, past 2010. But overall, um, there is as much natural growth in immigration as there is in, in natural birth. So um, that is, and the reason why that's important is not because acculturated, uh, more acculturated Hispanics are, are going to start watching TV because there are more Latinos, but that overall population growth is driving the growth of more and more channels uh, every day. Uh, in the last four years, between 2006 and 2010, for example, um, we've, seen, uh, we've seen the launch of over four dozen cable networks. 
and the more content there is, I think the more uh, pressure, um, if you will, the acculturated Hispanic is going to have to retain some Spanish language viewing habits because now there's more content available. I really think ultimately um, uh, content is the driver. If there's interesting content in Spanish, um, even even acculturated uh, young Latinos who can still speak Spanish will be drawn to that. Um, programs, you know, American Idol type formats on Univision and Estrella TV, uh, they do very well against young demographics because um, because it's interesting content to a young to a young person, regardless of the language they prefer. Once you have set your mind at ease, let's say, that this, in fact, is the right media and the right language, how do you decide whether you want a traditional ad or a direct response ad? Are there, once again, certain categories that are better for direct response than others? Um, yes, there are. Um, uh, I mean, from our perspective um, at, at Mercury, we would... We would say that um, the world is moving in the direction of DR, so so hop on the train. Um, there are many categories, most categories. Um, response can be measured either either through a CTA that a call to action that's 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 to call or to click or to come into the store uh, or into some retail uh, location. So if it's measurable, um, if it's measurable uh, to the to the source and to the consumer, um, then direct response TV is valid. Um, I think in taking a step back um, and, and having brought in um, more than a handful of clients into the Hispanic market for the first time, um, I think that there's a, a certain level, even uh, as you say, even once you make up your mind, there's a certain level of insecurity as to how things get done um, once you get move into the world of in-language television and what do I need to do differently and and how do I apply what succeeded for me in the general market to the Hispanic market. Um, and, and clients typically tend not to have as much patience uh, for the success of a campaign in Spanish as they do in English. Um, so I think what's, in, what's really important for clients is to decide What's most important is for clients to decide the role that the Hispanic market in general and in language TV in particular is going to have on their campaign overall. So what do they want to accomplish in the Hispanic market? Um, and once, they, once they've decided that, then they can decide whether DRTV or, or non-traditional uh, television is the way to go. And, and just to give you a, um, a really specific example, the, the Hispanic market from a DRTV perspective um, can, uh, in many campaigns, can reduce overall lead generation costs, and that's of extreme value to clients. Um, but it creates other challenges uh, down the road. Um, targeting the Hispanic market um, can open up new markets. There may be clients who aren't advertising in high-density Hispanic areas simply because um, the demographics didn't didn't call for it. So it really depends on, on the role that the Hispanic-speaking Hispanic consumer is going to play in an overall plan, and that should drive the decision. And DRTV is a, you know, we position it as a valid strategy, um, but it's a strategy, and it's it's a strategy for some but not for all. You've talked about measurement 
several times, specifically, of course, in relation to direct response. And that, for many people, particularly at the senior level where they hold the purse, the purse strings, is a very powerful word. Would you tell us a little bit more about direct response advertising measurement? Yes, and I think that uh, you, you mentioned holding uh, people who hold the purse strings. I think that when, when, you, when you talk about measurement, it's, it's equally important to be able to talk to a CFO as it is to talk to a CMO. Um, and that's sort of a working mantra of ours. Um, when we talk about measurement, we're talking um, about, in, in the most general of terms, the path to profit. If I invest um, $1 in this channel versus another channel, what am I going to get as a return? What am I going to get from a lead generation perspective? In other words, how many calls am I going to get for that dollar? Um, and how many will I convert? Um, so lead generation and conversion are the two key metrics. But between lead generation and conversion, there are a lot of other measures. Um, and the more sophisticated you get, the better, uh, the better you get at, at, at the measurement game overall. But Fundamentally, to, to, to answer your question, that we look at measurement really as the path to profit that starts with lead generation um, and ends with conversion. And then what does that mean from a return on investment perspective for what you've spent in the media? How do you measure specifically? Is there one formula that you use for all direct response advertising, or does it vary in some way? Um, I think that um, in general, it's pretty much the same. We may call, uh, we may label things uh, differently, um, but we um, we all, whether we're advertising for a Fortune 1000 telecom or satellite company, or whether we're advertising the magic bullet, um, we all make some of the same calculations. Um, we have we have a technique that we call whiteboarding um, here at Mercury in Espanol, and and essentially it starts with uh, lead generation. What does that cost? For some clients, they might have not only lead generation costs but qualified lead generation costs. Um, then on the bottom of of, of that whiteboard or that calculation, um, you have conversions, and then in the middle we all look at the same things. We look at the average order value, or in the case of a, of a Fortune 1000 company, you might look at the lifetime value uh, potential of a client. Um, we look at things like talk time or time spent online. Um, they're all different labels uh, for the same thing. We look at what the overall cost per acquisition is, so uh, not just what the, lead, the media cost was, but uh, down the line, what did it cost me from an agent perspective? What did it cost me to fulfill? What will it cost me to maintain that customer? I think we all use, I think universally we all use the same values. Um, we might just apply them differently. And they all come down essentially, you know, if I can repeat myself, they all come down to cost per call, cost per qualified call, average order value, um, uh, telemarketing, uh, CP, uh, uh, CPA, um, conversion, and, and, the, and, and then ultimately ROI. Um, or in the DRTV business, we use MER, which is uh, media expense ratio. Um, so it all comes down to probably seven or eight variables and how you sort of mix and match them and, and what you leverage on any given campaign or where you focus on any given campaign 
is really where sort of the art and science meet um, in in-language DR. Marcelino, I'm thinking that some of our listeners are now wondering what the threshold is. For many people, television advertising is very desirable, but at the same time also very expensive, perhaps the most expensive of the media available. Would you tell us a little bit about in-language advertising and perhaps direct response advertising in language, of course? Um, well, you're right. Um, it is, from a cost of entry perspective, it, it is the most expensive uh, medium uh, to play ball in. However, it is also the most robust in terms of, of lead generation, um, and ultimately, because of that, becomes the most the most efficient. Um, television, you know, looking at this from a traditional media perspective, television. CPMs or cost per thousands um, can range anywhere from the single digits to the low 20s, um, $20 per thousand. If you're targeting men um, or sports marketing, you pay you may pay a little bit more than that. Um, radio hovers uh, usually um, above that um, in the 20s plus. Um, print is usually in the $50 plus cost per thousand. Um, really the only medium that can compete on an efficiency basis with um, television is online, um, online and, and, and now mobile. The problem is that it's very fragmented um, and, there's, and there, there are very few ways to buy in mass. So television is, even though it's more expensive, it is the most efficient um, way to advertise in language from a direct response perspective. And because of that, it's also the most effective way to test your way into and through the market. Um, because it's more efficient, you can uh, learn a lot more um, because you'll have more data to work with. You'll have generated more data and you can learn a lot more uh, in terms of how to, uh, how to roll out and move forward. And I, we use television strategically really as the anchor. Um, there are some in our space who use radio as sort of a as an entry point to determine the viability um, of a product or service. Um, but um, you know, our approach is, is is television simply because of the the return that you can get. Now, of course, when you were talking a moment ago, if I understand correctly, you're talking about placement costs, right? Placement costs and um, creative as well. Um, you know, depending on what kind of a client you are, you can you can spend a lot more. You will spend a lot more on television creative than you will on on radio creative, for example. Um, so that the 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 cost of entry is high, both in terms of your message and in terms of the medium. What, if any, impact does the direct response measurement aspect have on the cost of the creative and the production? Uh, and, and the measurement? Well, um, it could have a lot depending on depending on where where you are in the process of targeting the in-language consumer. Um, if you're just getting started, um, if you're launching a product or service, uh, depending on how important your brand values are, um, you don't necessarily need to spend as much 
um, in Spanish uh, as you would um, in English. We, for example, when we're when we're first testing products and services in in the Hispanic market, we might um, and I know this is going to sound like heresy, but we might actually uh, dub uh, a general market infomercial um, into Spanish um, and test that to determine whether or not the product has a proof of life to move forward. And I know it sounds kind of heretical, and, and for 15 years in my career, I was I always swore against doing that, but um, I did spend a lot of time in direct mail, and direct mail um, is a, a very scientific way of, of building any business model because you always anchor your current activity against whatever the control is. And in, uh, in the direct response business, I think that when we dub a show into uh, Spanish, what we're doing is we're uh, basically uh, focused on using the English language show as the control variable. We know that that product sells in the general market at this price point, at this level of conversion, based on this money, this level of calls that it generates. So we have a benchmark. And uh, I like to test in Spanish by comparing apples to apples or apples to manzanas, I, I, I like to say. But um, I want to compare uh, what my show in Spanish does uh, against the English understanding that I'm not communicating as effectively as I could be, but I am testing very purely um, the product, the price point, the overall messaging. So in those scenarios, it's very inexpensive to get into television, Spanish language television. $10,000, $15,000 gets you on the air for a 30-minute show. Um, but if you were um, a Bristol-Myers or a Verizon or somebody whose brand uh, investment over the years has been substantial and you've done a lot in the Hispanic market, um, you might want to have much higher production values. Um, I think it also makes a difference which media you're going to be in. If you're going to be a cable player, um, you probably don't need to spend as much um, on your creative as you are on a broadcast level. Um, there are less um, legal restrictions. There's, there's less production uh, quality control. Um, many of these signals come from Latin America, so the production values uh, to begin with are not, uh, they're good, but they're not state-of-the-art, they're not HD, um, so you can get away with a lot more if it were just a purely cable buy than, a, than broadcast. How much is enough? I, I know that this would be the perfect situation, but say that you had a client that said to you, okay, I have, my, my budget slate is blank and I'm coming to you for advice. How much of my budget should I be dedicating to the Hispanic market in general, in English and Spanish, and how much of that should I be dedicating to in-language advertising? What would you say to them? Well, that's that's the holy grail question in our space. Um, the first thing I would say to the client is that um, deciding to go into Hispanic does not involve necessarily a choice. It's not a zero-sum game. Um, and let me explain uh, what I mean by that. Because here at Mercury in Espanol, we deal uh, primarily with products that we're crossing over from English to Spanish. And we have tens of thousands of transactions uh, from the last two years, between 2008 and 2010. We have tens of thousands of transactions on products, uh, hair care products from Conair and InStyler and Magic Bullet and that, that kind of uh, layer of products, good, good products that start on television are, and are available at retail. 
Um, and there are two important metrics that uh, we have learned. Because we have all of the general market data and we have the Hispanic data, uh, and when I say Hispanic, I'm referring to in-language data in particular. Um, we find, A, that for every product that we sell on television, um, our clients estimate that they sell four to five products um, at retail. So there's a very direct impact. Even though they're direct response commercials, call now and receive this special offer kind of commercials, um, they see a, a very important lift five-time return lift um, at retail, and that comes from Spanish-language uh, television. Um, the second thing that we see is that clients who spend at least 10 to 15% of their budget, and this might answer your question very specifically, 10 to 15% of their budget on in-language TV um, optimize their overall campaign performance. That's to say that if they were, for argument's sake, I'm not using on specific numbers, I'm just using them for example, but if they were to be generating a two-to-one return on investment in the general market DRTV campaign, by going into Spanish, they increase that perhaps to a 2.2, a 2.3, a 2.5, depending on the product category. They can have a very significant impact on the overall return of the campaign. So I go back to uh, the choice to advertise in Spanish. It's not a zero-sum uh, choice. It's really the choice to. This, it's really, the question is, um, where is my last dollar in my media budget going to be the most effective? Um, is it going to be more effective targeting the same consumer that I've been targeting, or is that dollar going to generate a greater return by opening up a new segment? Um, and we, of course, you know, we choose the latter path. Um, um, but we're in, in, in the in the DRTV business. We're, we're we're now able to to document the impact of that that kind of uh, strategy. What about product or service that is specifically targeting a Spanish dominant, Spanish preferred? market segment, say a food product or a cultural product that is very specific to that audience or to a segment of the audience that we know has a very high percentage of Latinos, say, for example, baby products. We know that one out of every four babies born in the U.S. is born of Latino parents. Children right. or teenagers, we know that the, those segments are have a very high percentage of Latinos. Does that make a difference if you are dealing with a product or service that is specifically targeting by its nature or because of the segment that it's targeting a highly a high percentage of Latinos? Very much so, and I mean we're we're biased because we 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 work and represent. Uh, the in-language uh, marketing space, um, it would make sense that um, for some of the categories uh, that you've mentioned, um, or in some regions of the country where um, the majority of the market um, um, is Hispanic and and perhaps Spanish-speaking, um, it would make sense that advertisers would, would spend more in-language than they spend um, in the general market. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case unless unless the product um, is imported or unless it's a brand that's been developed specifically for um, the Hispanic market um, or unless it's a brand that has found um, out here in California, for example, uh, um, there's a juice product called Kearns that 
um, back in the in the mid 2000s found that the vast majority of its users were Latino, um, and they moved in that direction in terms of of advertising. Unless you're one of those products that's that that sees its core customer as Hispanic, um, most advertisers still haven't uh, really haven't discovered the Mediterranean um, in the sense that they should be allocating more and more resources. I think baby uh, baby um, uh, goods in general is a perfect example of that. Um, there's nowhere near 25% of any baby good manufacturer spending um, uh, of their market of uh, their marketing budgets on on in language advertising and that's you know that i think that's endemic to the industry as a whole the 2 billion dollars that gets spent on spanish language tv today is really uh it's probably 3 or 4% of the total um uh that's spent in the general market which is nowhere near uh, demographically where we should be even if you factor out um all of the hispanics who may be watching uh, English language television or the English uh, preferring English dominant English exclusives, it's still the math doesn't add up. But we're you know we're moving and we're moving in that direction. I think I think we're all sort of uh, waiting with bated breath for what the census will tell us, um, and, and more than us tell um, our clients and potential clients about um, the, the growth of the market. Um, but one of the um, one of the advantages of direct response television um, is that you don't have to wait for the census. Um, it can direct response television can be a, a valuable learning tool um, uh, in terms of modeling where the Hispanic market can impact a business simply because it's based on results. Um, and it doesn't matter how many Latinos are out there if X dollars that I spend generates Y return. Um, then this is a valid, it's a valid market to approach. Other than the threshold for entry, say the cost of production and placement, are there specific categories, industry types, where you would say, really, this is not a fit for you, you're better off doing something else? Are there any categories that come to mind, again, other than the barriers to entry in terms of costs or budgets. Is there anything out there that you can look at right away and say, no, this isn't a fit, luxury or, I don't know, uh, for the elderly? Are there any categories or industries that come to mind? I haven't run across many, um, but there was there was one uh, product in particular that's uh, pretty popular in the general market uh, called the Little Giant Ladder. Um, and it was in, it was interesting um, because I was a huge fan of the potential of the product when uh, I first uh, launched it in, in the market. It was widely available in retail, um, but because we are uh, you know sort of stereotypically classified as a do-it-yourself market, um, blue-collar market, it seemed like an ideal product. Um, however, it, it didn't work. Um, it didn't work perhaps because of price. Um, perhaps because uh, the retail distribution was too broad, um, so selling it on TV didn't make sense. Um, I think that it's it's. I think if if you take luxury out, take high-priced items out of the mix that may uh, for which the, the the Hispanic demographic may not not be appropriate. I think uh, virtually everything is worth testing, um, and it's worth testing as long as you have some kind of a, a measurable approach 
because where where things can fall apart reaching Hispanics um, is not necessarily in, in getting them to call or, or getting generating interest. It's in, in actually fulfilling a sale. I think most Latinos are very aspirational, um, entrepreneurial. Um, they're, they're here. If they're immigrants, they're here for a better life. Uh, if they're not immigrants, they have parents who are trying to create a better life for them. Um, so virtually everything America has to offer is fair game, um, but not every product is for everyone. Um, so I think I think everything is worth testing. It's just uh, it's, it's just within within a full marketing cycle, within a full purchase decision. What are all the variables that need to get addressed, and and that's where the Hispanic market may not be right for everyone. Where is the in-language advertising market going? You mentioned earlier that you thought this was growing in spite of the naysayers who said that acculturated Latinos are going to stop watching television in Spanish. Where do you see the in-language advertising market going, say, in the next five years? Um, I, think, well, there, I think there's a few key trends. Um, the most, you know, by, by 2015... Um, I think that we're going to see a massive expansion of content. Um, I talked a little bit um, about uh, cable and satellite channel expansion. Um, there are you know, over four dozen channels now, um, both Dish, DirecTV, every major cable player has uh, the equivalent of some kind of Latin pack, which involves dozens of channels that customers are paying a premium for. Um, and if you add up all of those subscribers, you're probably at around uh, 40 or 50 percent of the total Hispanic household base in the country. So the cable expansion uh, will continue, um, and that's being driven by a bunch of things that we can talk about um, in a minute. Um, but we're also seeing a, a massive expansion broadcast in the last three years from uh, you know 2006, 2007 to 2010. We've seen Two new broad, two new uh, network broadcast players emerge: Azteca uh, America and now Estrella TV. So it's not just a cable phenomenon; it's a it's a broadcast phenomenon. And who knows, um, you know, with digital layers now, how much how much more uh, is going to come? So con- the content content is expanding, um, and channels are expanding, and that's going to create more and more reasons for. Um, even the more acculturated Hispanic to stick with Spanish language TV, perhaps not 100%, um, but at some level, or to get some to come back. Um, I think the other um, uh, important trend um, is that um, our our channels are creating, are generating uh, more credibility um, as as news vehicles, as information vehicles, as community players. Um, there was a recent um, article um, in the Washington Post um, this uh, this month, March of, of uh, or maybe late February of, of, of this month of 2010, um, that talked about the quality of the news coverage um, in channels like KMEX uh, in Los Angeles and KVA in Los Angeles versus their general market counterparts. Um, and the point of this article. Uh, was that the uh, quality of the news coverage um, is is much more sophisticated than even the general market counterparts. And what's important is that these two channels um, are frequently, if not 
almost all the time, in the case of KMEX, the number one news source in the entire Los Angeles market. So um, as, as billings um, and advertising revenues increase, more and more resources are going into Spanish language television's role as a, as a corporate citizen. Um, and I think that's going to uh, have a multiplier effect in terms of the, the credibility of, of the medium. I think the third important trend is that um, as, as measurement tools become more and more uh, sophisticated, um, DRTV as a concept um, is going to play a vital role in, in the expansion of, of in-language advertising. Um, because to my point about the census earlier, we don't need demographic figures to show that a product can benefit from the Hispanic market. If we can, get a, if we can convince a client to do a test and we measure it effectively, um, they will have their answer from a return on investment perspective uh, almost immediately. And that kind of approach, um, I think, is going to drive a lot of the growth in, in our category in the Hispanic television advertising business um, uh, for a few years to come. The English language media market, of course, as you know, has been going through a crisis that is still yet to be resolved, uh, print media in particular, but we're also seeing that has extended to broadcast media in very serious ways and is now reaching ethnic media, including Spanish language and Hispanic-oriented media. What impact do you think this is going to have on in-language advertising? Well, it's going to have the the same impact a few years down the road. I mean, our, we can look at uh, we can look at um, all of this content expansion as expansion, or we can look at it as fragmentation. Um, I think the real answer is going from from our perspective, from an in language advertising perspective. Uh, the real answer is the real question is: um, Are we cumulatively generating more viewers or less viewers? as we expand, and I think that's what we need to keep an eye on. The more and more outlets that we bring in, are we growing the baseline of in-language television viewers, um, or are we just parsing it among more channels? Uh, today, we're, we're growing it. Um, um, it's still um, it's growing in terms of subscribers to those cable and satellite players that are subscribing to uh, Latin packs. Um, so to me, that's the first indicator that the overall um, base of viewers is growing. But at some point, um, like the general market, like English language media, it will begin to fragment um, and it will begin to, we'll have a lot more competition from, particularly from online. Online and Hispanic, as, as fast as it's been growing and, and as developed as it is, um, is still a few years behind the general market from, um, from a commerce perspective and from a content perspective. Um, concentration uh, perspective. Um, we're sharing, uh, the audience is shared among a handful of major players and, and, and probably to some degree there's more fragmentation right now on the internet than there is on television. But um, from my perspective, the universe of in-language viewers in the, sh in the short term, I think, you know, in the, in the 2010s is going to continue to grow for a few years to come and then at some point it will begin to fragment. Marcelino, for those in our audience who, for those in our audience who have an interest in in-language advertising and direct response in in-language advertising, what suggestions would you share with them to help them gain a better understanding and either get in 
to this type of advertising if they haven't done it before or expand their reach if they're already doing it but think that they're they would like to see better results what suggestions what tips would you share with our listeners to help them gain a better understanding and a more successful reach well let's start with the the second group those that are already in in uh, the space um, and are looking to expand um, I think that um, the first thing that they should do um, if they haven't done it already is to look at how they're measuring um, the return on their marketing investment um, are they looking at it strictly from a media performance perspective a front-end performance perspective reach and frequency and CPMs um, or are they looking at it from a business perspective from a literal return on investment um, uh, and cost uh, uh, cost and, and, and return uh, uh, perspective and if they if they aren't then that is a, a massive opportunity um, where using direct response tactics and measurements and metrics um, can really provide a lot more consumer insight than uh, focus groups and surveys because uh, it's real-time purchase data, if you will. Um, so I, I, uh, I push clients as much as possible, and, and virtually every client has some application uh, where they can measure better um, or in a different way what they're doing in Spanish in order to, uh, to get at, at that, that holy grail question that you raised, which is what is the right expenditure in this market? Where am I going to optimize my return uh, relative to what I'm spending in, in the general market. Um, for those that um, that aren't in uh, in the Hispanic market yet, um, but are interested in or convinced that they should do it um, from an in-language perspective, um, I would uh, I would uh, ask them to, to focus um, not on uh, not so much on the process um, of engaging an in-language campaign. Um, but on, on the end result, the path to profit will be different. Um, the average Hispanic campaign, the typical Hispanic campaign, generates a lot more leads and results in a lot less conversion. Um, and many advertisers will see this as a sign that their product is not right for the market, um, but that's not necessarily the case. The path to their profit will be different. Um, they need to focus on building conversion, building more loyal customers, building uh, which Hispanics will be, uh, building higher transactions, which Hispanics typically do. Um, and there are many ways to make a Hispanic campaign work, but clients, they have to stick it out and they have to um, understand that what made them successful in the general market may not make them successful in the Hispanic market. Um, the product will be the same, the messaging will be the same, the deals will be the same, um, but the uh, process to conversion may be different, and uh, if they focus on finding finding that magic, they will be successful. Thank you, Marcelino, for joining us from Los Angeles, California. Uh, you're welcome. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Absolutely. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Marcelino Millares, Jr., he is director of Mercury in Español, who discussed Hispanic in-language advertising in the United States. 
Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at HispanicNPR.com.